Praise the Lord. I, I, I want to share this morning. I, I'm going to, uh, I don't know if there's, there's something going on in the spirit realm that's a, a little bit different, and that's okay, because I believe in the leading of the Holy Spirit. Uh, prepared a message for this morning to speak to us today about being dangerous to the dark and being victorious as, as conquerors in Christ. And I think just with a, with a, I want to start off with, I think, the ending, which is, which is something I think a simple truth that I, I feel like we, we easily either get distracted from the truth of this truth or, or we just forget it or we get so kind of swallowed up. You know, when Jesus told the parable of the sower, he said, uh, you know, there's different seeds that get planted on different soils, or the seed, sorry, the seed of God's word gets planted in different soils. And the different soils do different things with the same seed that gets planted. And see, the seed of God's word being planted in our hearts and our lives and our souls needs to take root. And, and when it takes root and goes deep down and finds nourishment in the soil, of who we are in Christ, that that root <clears throat> then becomes a, a plant, a, a sprout that comes up and it produces a crop, 30, 60, 100 fold. And I think we forget or we sometimes we get lost in, in just the simple truth of God's seed, the seed of God's word. And I, I think it's the seed of God's spirit that is... I want you to hear this truth, just every single one of us, and I'm listening too. God's seed is planted in you. If you've said yes to Jesus, I mean sincerely said yes to Jesus, surrendered and said, I, I believe in you, Jesus. We sang the song. Did the song take meaning? Does it have meaning? Does it actually have a, a place in my soul that that I really do believe in Jesus, that he is God the Son who came out of perfect love to redeem mankind. Me, yes, personally, but offered salvation to every single one of us called, and it's called grace. And if I just simply say yes to him, the seed of God is inside of me. I mean, just think of this truth. All of God is in you. All of God is in you if you've said yes to Jesus. Do you notice the trepidation that's going on inside of you? Do you notice it? No, listen, I want us to realize this. And this is where I feel like the Holy Spirit is saying it's a little bit different this morning. Is Let's identify that which is keeping us from realizing that very truth and living in that truth of all of God is inside of me. All of God is inside of you. The fullness of God is in you. Why are we so shy about it, if you will? Scared about it, maybe? Uh, confused about it? Or even in denial about it? Why? Just a quick question. I want us to just, and maybe, and maybe that there's not an answer for every one of us because I think every one of us might have a different answer. Um, 
we get choked. We're choked out by the stuff of this world, right? And you know what else chokes you and chokes me? Me. Just me. I get in my own way. Hello? And anybody else, and I think almost all of us can identify with that. Like, yeah, that happens to me on a regular basis, yeah. I get in my own way of who God is inside of me and allowing God's seed to just not only just be there and come out. Whew. All of God, come out. I mean, just think about that. what that looks like. Well, we have a good picture. His name is Jesus. Hallelujah. So I, I, I'm going to start preaching now. That was just a prelude. Pull up my britches here. Yeah. <laughs> we are victorious. Amen? Come on, brothers and sisters. We are victorious. In 1 John 4, 4, and I'm going to read this out of the Passion Translation, which uh, uh, I think it's uh, the Living Translation has popped up there, which is okay because it's saying the same thing. I just like how this words, it maybe just is a couple of little words that are different. It says, little children. <clears throat> I like that. Little children. I, I think that's a, a, something that we need to hear probably more, more often. Little children. You can be certain that you belong to God and have conquered them. Now who are, well, well I'll, let me read the verse. You've conquered them. For the one who is living in you is far greater than the one who is in the world. Now, who are the them that he's referring to? This is John writing this. The them is the, is the uh, as he gets into this first book, this letter, First uh, John, and he's talking about these false prophets who are speaking falsehoods and speaking lies. They're speaking untruths into the world, into their realm, led by a false spirit. That spirit is an antichrist spirit. And he's talking, he just points it out straight up. John was the one that, like, if you, if you taught heresy, he quite literally stoned you, threw rocks at you. I mean, he was just not having it at all. I know John is like, we, he's the disciple, the one that is full of love, right? Because he's the one that Jesus loved. But he loved Jesus so much that he knew Jesus so well. And if you misrepresented his Jesus, he had an issue with you. Big time. If you read the, all the letters of John that he wrote are all about that issue. Like, don't you bring something false into people's lives that God is trying to implement truths and you're bringing falsehoods. He said the false prophets are, are ones that are led by what is called an antichrist spirit. So he's saying that them are the ones that are in the world. But he says the one... The one who is in you is greater than all of them combined, put together in the world. He is greater in you. Greater is the one that is in you than everything and all that is in the world that is against Christ. Wow. Just a wow. I mean... God, oh boy, we just really need to remember that, don't we? I mean, we really need to hold on to that truth. Hold on to that truth. So I'm going to talk about this uh, 
if you will, I want to really get into that, like this digging in down deep so it can come out, so to speak. And, you know, so much of um, Scripture means a lot, like in the, the, the numbers that, uh, that are presented in Scripture. Um, there's a couple of, you, anybody, here, anybody here of the seven deadly sins? Yeah, I, I hope you don't have them memorized because that would be kind of weird, but you, it, it might be easy too. You might be able to identify with like six or eight of them. Twelve. <laughs> but there's also, there's also seven spirits of God. Did you know that? It's in Isaiah 11, 1 and 2. Listen to this. It's actually referring to Jesus. So I want to just to highlight this. It's kind of fun to, to look at if you haven't heard this before. Isaiah 11 says, There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse. You guys know who he's talking about right away? Any, any, any clues? Jesus. Amen. Isn't it fun to say the name Jesus? I, like the, I love the name of Jesus. Yeah. And a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest on him. Number one, that's the first spirit. The spirit of the Lord shall rest on him. The spirit of wisdom, number two. The spirit of understanding, number three. The spirit of counsel, number four. The spirit of power or might, number five. The spirit of knowledge, six. The spirit of the fear of the Lord, number seven. Whew. I'm telling you something right here, right now, that that's Jesus. That's the embodiment of Jesus is the embodiment of the Spirit of God, the fullness of God. Jesus came and he was it. And here's what's going on now is like there's this uh, uh, Jesus coming on the scene, being all of God, the fullness of God. Yeah, there's, there's, a, there's many reasons that Jesus came to this earth. One is to bring salvation to mankind. One is to teach us to show us the way. But he brought the fullness of God mostly. That's what he brought. He brought, brought the fullness of God. No man ever since, no man has done that, and no man uh, has done that before him or after him. The fullness of God. But here's what's awesome. God, now, he, that spirit, the spirit of God is inside of you. Did you hear that? So the spirit of the Lord, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of might, the spirit of power, the spirit of knowledge, and the spirit of the fear of the Lord are dwelling inside of you. Hello? Okay, is anybody awake in the room? Come on, brothers and sisters. Okay, I'll, I'll highlight the seven deadly sins. Is that a little more fun? Okay, let's talk about those. Lust, gluttony, greed, sloth, what? Envy is one of them. Wrath and pride. Wrath or anger and pride. Lust, gluttony, greed, sloth, wrath, envy, pride. Yeah. All of the above, right? Yeah. Yeah. Been there, done that. Let's, uh, let's talk about something that I want us to hear real quick. Are you guys with me? Yeah? I didn't lose your attention yet? We talked about the seven deadly sins. That sounds like a lot of fun, but let's not, let's not focus on that. But Peter does something pretty amazing. Okay? Now, Peter, we talked a little bit about John and him writing 
about his knowledge of who Jesus was, so much so that John, John was so much in love with Jesus, knew Jesus so well, that if somebody brought something that was not Jesus to the table, he identified it and called it out. Now, Peter, Peter, of course, was one of, other, one of the other main three disciples, right? Peter, James, and John. Peter was that, that disciple that followed Jesus everywhere, that you know, spoke what was on his mind, didn't have much of a filter, uh, but, but he was all in from the get-go. And then, of course, you know, we had that little hiccup towards the end where, where, where uh, in fact, Peter had a lot of hiccups. Like, remember, that was, he was the one guy that Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. And this is Peter talking. Peter speaking words, and Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. Like, I'm sure Peter would be like, who are you talking to, dude? But he knew he was, he, what, what was happening there, basically, and he says, you know, you're, you have the mind of men right now, and the thoughts of men said, I want to impart into you the thoughts of God, and God's ways, and God's plans, and what you're trying to bring about this, like, you, you know, let's go and fight him, let's kill him, let's cut their heads off, and let's, let's mount him on a, say, say no, nobody stands against our Jesus. And he's like, that's not my way, that's not my way. Get behind me, Satan. And then he has a little hiccup where he denies him three times, even knowing him to a little girl, even. A little girl said, aren't you one of his followers? And he says, I don't know him. And he started to cuss and curse so that he could show that he was not a follower of Jesus by what came out of his mouth. Ooh, I don't know if that, like, yeah, yeah. It ought to ouch a little bit because we ought to be aware of what we say is representing who we follow. So Peter does something that I believe is, is, is uh, more than just giving us a list of attributes that are opposite to the seven deadly sins. He's, he's portraying and helping us understand this is who Jesus was. This is how Jesus lived. And this is how Jesus walked and talked. And this is how Jesus presented himself. And he worked and lived amongst us. And here, now I want, this, this is available for all of us. Peter presents it this way. Uh, Jesus was powered by the Spirit of God. Jesus, so listen to this. This is a good little part in my notes that I wrote down that I thought, I, sometimes I write a lot of little stuff as I'm, as I'm studying, as I'm praying, and then i like, man, that's really, really good. That must be from God because I don't think that good. Jesus was powered by the Spirit of God, listening to and obeying the voice of the Father. Jesus was powered by the Spirit of God, listening to and obeying the voice of the Father. So Peter then in turn, he's reminding us the truth that the same power, the same Spirit, the same voice that he was listening to is speaking to you and I. The same power that enabled Jesus to live victoriously all the way till the end is in you. I love that, I love that. And he does this so, so 
Well, it's, I'm not going to say the word magical, but it, it has a power to do something different inside of me, to transform me, to make me who Jesus has called me to be. Amen? So let's listen to this. In 2 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 3, he says this. And I'm going to interrupt myself with a couple of little uh, notes. So even, whoa, that's a lot of words up there. I'm sorry, guys, but hey, it's up there. If you don't have your Bible, you can read it up there. 2 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 3. This is awesome. Listen to this. His divine power, his divine power. This is Peter again giving to us a truth that we've just got to hear, we've got to grab, we've got we to take in. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. Do you guys, are you hearing what he's saying, what he's laying down here? Because it's really amazing. He says, and by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort, every effort to supplement your faith with. Or in other words, add to your faith. This isn't adding to anything. You, can, you cannot get better than Jesus. But what he's saying here is that you've got to put the effort in to follow Jesus, to trust Jesus, to rest in Jesus. If, if the effort isn't made on your part, if there's not an intentionality to dive in, dig in, plant in to Jesus and his ways, you will become ineffective, unproductive, and I hate to say it, because nobody wants to hear it this way, especially from a preacher, useless. Because all you've become is a plant in the ground that produces no fruit, that sucks up the nutrients and does nothing. There's not even a if you could say it, a prettiness to it because what you're supposed to be and what you're supposed to be doing and looking like is not that which you're supposed to be and supposed to be doing. Yeah, that's good. And, and, and it becomes, you, you know, the world will say, oh, but you're doing so well. Well, at least you're trying. At least you're doing this. And maybe, you know, at least you're having some, some, some you, you know, you, you show up most of the time. And see, the world is saying you're doing okay and you could do anything and you could do all things and you could, you could be whoever you want to be without any effort. In fact, it's owed to you. You deserve it. And my Bible and Peter who walked and talked with Jesus and spent time with him 
is presenting this. This is how Jesus was. This is how Jesus lived. And this is available for us who know Jesus, who have said yes to Jesus. This divine power, his divine power is available for us to produce that which God is intended to produce inside of us. And if we simply make that effort, if we go after him as he's gone after us, it's available for us. And you know what it truly is, though? It's freedom. It's freedom to be like Jesus. Because in the sun is where I'm free. I'm not bound to the ways of this world, even my own, my own issues. You know what I've discovered? I've, I've turned 55 and I'm free to be an old guy. Like this is my favorite thing to do now, right here. Boom. I would wear it the rest of the service, but it'd be distracting because I'm just way too good looking, right? Just kidding. Yeah, brothers. The parable of the vine, which is the parable where Jesus said, said, I am the, uh, the one you're referring to, I believe, is he, Chad asked, how does it relate to the parable of the vine? said, I am the vine and you are the branches, correct? John 15, I am the vine, you are the branches. And he who bears fruit as a branch, in other words, abides in me and I abide in him, you will bear much fruit. If you do not abide in me, stay close to me, stay near to me, stay near the actual vine, planted, rooted, stuck with, attached to the vine. If you're not near that, then you will produce no fruit. In fact, he says, and I have a actual, I, have, I, I intentionally planted two grapevines in my backyard. And they're supposed to be table grapes, but I, I don't think they will produce much grapes. They actually... Look, one of them's got a lot, of, a lot of grapes on it. It's really kind of cool until the birds are going to want to try and steal it. But, but here's what's going on with this vine that I have in my backyard. A lot of branches. A lot of branches. And, 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 and uh, now I'm going to just go off a little bit, but I'm going to get back to my notes here in a second. The majority of these branches are, are fruitless. There's nothing on them. There's nothing on them. But you see, there's something that they provide in that, in the, you know, so, so in the parable, Jesus says, my father is the vine dresser. My father is the caretaker. He's the one who looks after it, and he's got perfect eyesight. He sees what is what is. You can't, you can't phony God. You can't pretend there's fruit there when there's no fruit there. He sees it. And, and as he sees, uh, you know, and as I'm looking at this vine and I'm, I'm at this place where I got to trim off, I've been starting to trim the branches off that are just basically useless. They do nothing. They just basically take from the actual plant. But I got to be careful as a vine dresser, which I'm learning how to do. I'm just like doing research and learning that I can't just cut all the branches off because then these, all these grapes will be just barren. They're just sitting there with one branch that's, that's got the grapes on it. And, and do you know what these, uh, the, the, the vine has this wonderful thing that takes place as, uh, you know, the shoot of the vine comes up and it's brown and it's kind of, to be honest, it's kind of ugly. 
It, it's, 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 it, it, it's not attractive. The branches are the pretty stuff. I know that's like the whole thing to me is like, wow, this is really cool watching this take place like right before my eyes. The branches are pretty and they have these beautiful leaves, massive grape leaves that, 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 that actually bring shade and protection for the grapes. It's super cool to watch it and see it take place. And so if I cut everything off and I just leave it to just like just grapes, eventually the grapes will be stolen by the birds or they'll be wilted by the sun and I'm not into raisins that much so I I want grapes that I could pick off there and eat or let my granddaughters eat them and so what he's talking about that is in in relation to I think where we're going to go with this and I'll, I'll try to relate it back to to what we're talking about today Chad is that the that here's here's the relational part to your question Okay, so I want us to hear this. It takes a father's eye, the father's eye, to identify the distinction between the vine and the branch. But to the novice's eye, the, the naked eye, if you will, the vine and the branch should be one and the same. Did you hear what I just said? The vine and the branch should be so connected they'll be one and the same. And that's the, it's, it's, in other words, we should look like Jesus. We abide in him, he abides in us, we should be looking like Jesus. To where there would be, it would be tough to distinguish a difference between you and Jesus. In other words, there your friends, your family, your coworkers, your peers, your student peers, when they look at you, they should be seeing Jesus. That's such a, I, I know that's, you, you think, that's so wild. How can they see Jesus in me? I'm such a mess. I'm such a wreck. It's like only in humility can they see Jesus in you. So I'm not talking about living a perfect life because that's, that's not what it's about at all. In fact, do you know the best place and the, the, the most opportune time for me to look like Jesus? You can ask my family, they'll tell you. It's when I screw up, when I make a mess of things, when I just, just blow it. I come in with humility and say, I shouldn't have said that, I shouldn't have done that. That's when they see Jesus in me. Only in humility does anybody see Jesus in you. It's not in our pride and puffed upness and how I'd make these right choices and right decisions and do all this good and do all that and don't do anything bad. It's like that's, that's, that's religion. And it's kind of ugly because it makes people feel kind of crappy about themselves because all you're doing is looking down on them because you're not like them. Hello? That was a little diversion let's go back I think it's going to be good because this is really good these virtues Mm. characteristics attributes opposites to the seven deadlies he says this he says add he said make every effort to add to your faith these seven attributes one is virtue which is simply this, moral excellence. Moral excellence, and I'm gonna say it straight up because it needs to be said straight up 
to Christians in our country, in our world, in our community. Sexual purity. Sexual purity needs to be your attribute of your life. It has to be. There's no toying with anything out there that, that, that don't justify it, don't modify it, don't alter it. Sexual purity is a moral excellence and it's a virtue that you add to your faith. You, you bring it to your faith. You trust God to stay pure. You trust God. The next one is, and we add to it, is knowledge, which is simply this. And I, I, like, I like this one a lot because I just like to learn. Is understanding and insight, common sense. You know what? If you don't have it, ask God to give it to you. Knowledge, understanding, insight, common sense, wisdom. Add to your faith wisdom, common sense. Here's, here's a, just I'll say it straight up. I'm just straight, straightforward. Make an effort to learn God's ways. Okay? Make an effort to learn God's ways. Read his word, learn his word, listen to his word. How much effort do we make to learn stuff that is absolutely useless? Brothers and sisters, come on. How much effort do we go after nonsense? I mean, I like to Google stuff, but I like to Google stuff to learn stuff till I know how to do stuff, whether it's on YouTube or Google. But how much time do we waste, do we spend learning useless information that does nothing for us? We do it. Come on, brothers and sisters. Let's spend, if we were to spend it even just half as much time learning God's ways intentionally, I believe, I believe with 100% of my being that the spirit of understanding would, would actually come out of us and we'd have common sense and wisdom and insight and we wouldn't be so clueless. We wouldn't be so walking around like aimlessly in the dark and and confused about stuff that's going on in the world and stuff that's going on inside of me, we'd have an understanding about it because we would know God's ways and we'd be able to identify everything that is not God's ways. Hello? Hello? Come on, we don't get to check our brains out. You guys come in here. Don't expect me to learn everything and teach it to you and tell it to you because I'm probably going to get a few things wrong. Hello? Come on. Right? Yeah, we, we, if you haven't read your Bible this week, you're weak. Li- quite literally, you're weak in the Lord. Not like, you know, seven days weak. You're weak. You're weakling. In other words, your brain is not growing in the Lord. And he said, love the Lord your God with all your what? Heart, your soul, and this thing, your brain, your mind. He said to love God with your mind. You start your day off, end your day off, be middle of your day off, I don't, all day long. God's word needs to be getting in there. Amen? Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, let's move on. Come on. I, I want to I go. I got, I got a barbecue to go to. Just kidding. Come on, guys. <laughs> you love it, huh? Because it's, it's the next one. It's really funny. Is make every effort to add to your to to make effort to learn God's ways. To make effort though this the third part to add to your faith is the third one is self control, also known as what a sound mind. 
here again, God's seed, the seed of God is in you. The spirit of God is in you. You, you as Jesus, you have the divine power to take your thoughts captive. To take your thoughts captive. And this is how he words it. This is how, the, this is how Paul words it. Take your thoughts captive and even force them. Force your thoughts into obedience to Christ. Hello? That's what, how he's wording that powerful, strong thing to do. We are to take our thoughts captive and force them to be obedient to Christ. You have the divine power inside of you to do that. You can control what you think by the power of God inside of you. Hello? You can control how you think about yourself, about others, about situations. You can take it captive. Amen? Come on, brothers and sisters. We can do this. We have God inside of us. The next is, the fourth one is this, is steadfastness. So add to your faith steadfastness. In other words, another word for it would be patience. Here's this, this, uh, I, I want to, this, this is a neat little thing because I think he, sell, he teaches this this way. Steadfastness is patience, which is almost like a, how he say, you, you stick with it. So, you know, how the, uh, persistence is another word. Yes, thank you, thank you, brother. Uh, it, you stick with it, you don't give up. So, patience or steadfastness or persistence is the thing that drives us to hold on and not give up see the, the we might be have this like misconstrued view of patience is to sit back and wait and just let it just like let it let it happen that's not the patience of from the spirit of god that's not god patience god patience holds tight to who you are stands firm sticks with it all the way to the end so the thing that actually you need most is that which is, is to stay with God. Don't give up. I know, we, you know there's studies out there. There's massive studies that Barna's putting out about how many people, how many people, young people, older people, middle-aged, Gen X, Z, whatever, millennials and, and boomers alike are just throwing in the towel, throwing in the towel to their faith, their Christianity, their upbringing. And it's the spirit of God that is inside of us that, that sustains us and holds us, keeps us persistent and, and get persistent and patient to wait on the Lord, to wait on the Lord. And that you could apply that to every single aspect of your life. Every aspect of your life. From driving down the road to loving your wife and bringing up your children. Stick with it. Don't give up. Go farther. I think Jesus said, go the extra mile. That's what it's about. It actually keeps us from being lazy so the opposite of slothfulness is patience did you hear that that's kind of cool I, I just learned that this morning 
or understood it. The number five is godliness. The god, godliness, the essence of godliness is simply this, the fear of God, the holiness of God. Godliness is that which is, it's a holy reverence. It's a holy reverence that keeps us from veering away from him and walking down the easy, wide, and even wrong path. The fear of God will keep us in the safest place. Stephen and I were talking about how uh, one of my uh, uh, peers from a long time back in construction was this big, bulky, uh, steroided up bodybuilder, framer guy, and he took a, a skill saw, one of the big, heavy, old skill saws, and ran it right through his leg as he was cutting a board. 300 stitches. I was on the job. I didn't see it happen. I'm gl- glad, but 300 stitches later, and he's, he's I, I don't know where he's at now, but he basically wrecked his leg. And Steve and I were talking about how what keeps us from doing that is being afraid of doing that. Hello? See, when we walk in holy fear, holy reverence of God, it keeps us in the safest place. The safest place. It doesn't mean we sit back in a safe, you know, our little little safe seat and don't do anything that's scary. It means that we follow God so closely that we fear God, we holy, we revere God so much that we want to stick with him in every aspect of our life. We don't want to veer off of him because we know the result is going to be catastrophic. Not only to my existence here on earth, but to my eternal soul. So that holy fear, that godliness keeps us on the straight and narrow, the true path of God for our lives. Amen? Six is this, brotherly affection. Add to your faith brotherly affection. This is where you'll find the attributes of kindness, generosity, hospitality, compassion, forgiveness, helpfulness, a willing presence, genuine happiness. Listen to this. Genuine happiness for others' blessings, even to the point of helping them receive and achieve the blessings of God in their lives. I got to say that again because that was really good, and I think some of us need to hear it again. Where we have a genuine, a genuine happiness for others' blessings even to the point of helping them receive the blessings by prayers, by words, and even by actions. That's the spirit of God of brotherly affection. And that is inside of us. Do you know what suppresses that mostly? The one thing that suppresses it mostly, keeps it down and buried, Hello? Envy. It was the, the envy. If I'm jealous of you, I'm not going to want to help you. In fact, I'm going to be upset that you got and I didn't. And I, and I deserve what you got. And, 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 and how, what, what, what was God doing? How come God didn't give me what he got, what she got? 
And, and we'll even take it to a, a whole nother dark and demented area where we, we, we start even become angry and mean and, and ugly to that person because we're envious and jealous of what they got and I didn't. Instead of being genuinely happy for others' blessings. Amen? Let the Holy Spirit do that inside of you because that's something that we all need to allow to be worked up, right? Allow to come out. Come on. Come on. We all need it. Amen? Okay. Last one is love. God loves at the core. God's love is at the core. And his, his love is simply this. At the core of his love is concern for your eternal soul. So the love of God that you have for those that don't know God is a concern for their eternal soul. Hallelujah and amen. And it's what causes us to be the light, to share the love of God in people's lives. The love of God and it's giving, it's, 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 remember it was displayed. This is the fullness of God that Jesus said, or not Jesus said, Jesus is. So Jesus embodied the love of God. Jesus, he was the love of God. He was the spirit of God. What did he do? He gave of himself all the way to the end. And that's the love of God that is inside of us by the Spirit of God to give of ourselves. Amen? Okay, let's, I'm going to finish up actually the, the passage. Because now I'm going to go back to the verse where he says, in verse 8, uh, well, um, I'm sorry, where would it be? Anyway, let's just, I'm just going to read it. It says, for if these qualities, this is Peter again speaking, go, uh, like I said, I, I interrupted and now I'm going back. If these qualities are yours and are increasing, in other words, they keep growing, there's, they, there's, there's more taking place. They have, you haven't just stopped and you haven't just arrived. They, they're constantly being developed from within. If they are yours and are increase, and increasing, they keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, for whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that, that he was cleansed from his former sins. And therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and your election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. Did you hear what he just said there? Hello? Anybody? If you practice, put them into practice, you will never fall. That, you know what he's telling us here? If you keep doing them, you're going to be continuously walking by faith, upright, bringing glory to God, having the power to, to have moral excellence, understanding, self-control, a sound mind, living godly with brotherly affection and the love of God flowing through you. you got, these are things, if you practice them, you won't fall. You'll keep doing it. In other words, I'm so focused on doing them that I'm not doing anything else. Didn't Paul say that? If you walk by the Spirit, you will not be gratifying or satisfying the flesh. Walking this way means you're not walking that way. It's a simple concept. 
So let's practice them so that we don't fall. And then he says this, for in this way, there will be you there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It's almost like Peter saying, It's when I'll we'll get to hear those words. Well done, good and faithful servant. If I can get the worship team to come up because this is one last if I can, if it's a uh Let's just punch it in to where it sticks. The simplicity of the gospel is simply a sincere yes to God's grace. Through Jesus. Here's this. This is, I started with this truth because it's it's a truth that I love that we could hear and we need to receive. His DNA his seed, his DNA becomes planted inside of you. All of God is already in you, waiting to be developed or even set free by the Spirit of God. If we can think of it this way, if it helps us to understand it, and it might be a little bit like conceptually odd, but to hear it this way, and it's not heresy, is as the man's seed is planted inside of a woman to where that man's seed then becomes and produces a child and produces, and that that man's seed is the man's DNA that comes, that produces that which grows inside of that woman. It becomes that person becomes part of that person and that person becomes as a person then is born into this world has the father's DNA moving in in the entirety of that person and every single one of us have a, has our father's DNA in you hello it's it's science but science is is a good thing when it's done right and this science is the, is the science of how God has imparted by his spirit, his DNA inside of you to where his life, his attributes, his being is now growing and being developed inside of you. Our duty is, as he tells us, is to make every effort to add to our faith, to, to actually just simply allow the development of God's spirit, God's DNA to come out of us. And when we allow that, we look like him. We look like Jesus. And when we look like Jesus, people are drawn to Jesus. And simply put, Jesus is the answer to everything and all things. So let us pray. Father, we just thank you for your love for us. Thank you for your your spirit inside of us moving us, growing us, being developed inside of us. In Jesus' name, by your spirit, continue to move. Empower us to be more like you, to walk humbly before man. Empower us to be your servants, your children. Empower us 
to bring people to you. In Jesus' name, just bless us today. Bless us as fathers, bless us as children, bless us as brothers, as sisters, bless us as mothers. We ask for your blessing on us in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen.